This is Who Makes a Podcast? Conversations with your favorite podcast hosts about who they are, the shows they make, and why they make them. I'm your host, Chris Cookley, and my guests today are Stephen Quinno Quinn and John Cosgrove. A man from the north of Ireland and a man from Australia talk about sport, culture, and the expat experience in no particular order. What could possibly go wrong? In this interview, we talk about expat communities in the Twin Cities, what is a pub versus what is a bar, picking yourself and trying your ideas, not waiting for someone else to pick you, learning recording equipment and building a basement studio, and of course, soccer. Quino and John are hilarious, entertaining, and very insightful hosts on a variety of topics, and their Crafty Rogues podcast has become regular listening for me. I had a ton of fun with this interview, and I hope that you enjoy it as well. And now here is my conversation with Stephen Quinn and John Cosgrove. Quino and John, welcome to Who Makes a Podcast. G'day, mate. How's it going? It's going great. I'm excited to have you guys on and uh, talk to you. I've been listening to your podcast recently, and even though all of the sports scores are out of date, it's still entertaining. Oh, thank you. Uh, we can't control the, the sports scores. We can only comment on them, yeah. which you know, comes with its own challenges, given that you know people's attention span for that sort of thing is pretty short. But even though we talk about various games that have recently been played, we make it uh, quite clear, we're not a score service. Yeah. Anyone that listens to us already knows the results of these games. So you guys are obviously not from the States, as my listeners can hear. Would you mind giving me a little bit of a background about uh, where you're from and how you got to where you are right now? Well, I'll pull back the curtain and, and reveal that John just pointed at me, which means I'm going first. Fair enough. Um, I'm from Australia, as you mentioned. I first moved to the Twin Cities in 1994 because I had an offer of work uh, and I've been here ever since, uh, except that I've moved back to Australia three times. Uh, <laughs> so this time I've been back since 2016. Uh, my background is in radio and television and live events. And what more would you like to know? I think that that's, that's probably a, a fair start. John, what about you? When did you move to the States and why? I came straight to Minnesota in 1999. Uh, I met a guy called Kieran Folliard who had a couple of Irish pubs. I was young, broke, and very handsome. And uh, so I worked for him for eight years in, in the hospitality industry. I started hosting bar trivia here in the Twin Cities before it was a thing. And I developed a deep, meaningful love for microphones. So... Ever since then, I've, anytime I've seen a microphone, I wanted to be on it. Uh, had an idea for a podcast a million years ago, and I kind of knew Quino, but I got to know him a little better and his expertise, and I thought we would make a great team. We did a quick demo, loved it, and have been doing it for six years ever since. So how did you guys meet then? And uh, when did you meet? Well, probably... John got here in 99 and I actually went back to Australia then. So we may have met briefly then. I came back here in 2006 and certainly we would have met then. As John said, we were well aware of each other through various circles of friends that overlap. There is, there is quite a, an extensive expat community here in the Twin Cities. Okay. Gi given 
as opposed to like Boston or Chicago or New York, where, you know, there'd be a huge population. There's a small population of expats, essentially British, Irish, Australian, New Zealand, and um, a couple of French, throw them in for a bit of the mix. And so, you know, we congregate in various pubs and, and areas and we play soccer and, you know, you get to know who people are. I am a fairly low-profile member of the overseas diaspora, but John is actually a a very high-profile member, uh, certainly of the Irish community, but John's pretty well-known about town, not just for his emceeing and trivia stuff, but for his business that he has. He's, as we like to say in the caper, connected. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a little software company that's involved in the events industry that I've had for about uh, 10 years, and, you know, that connects me with a lot of different people around the Twin Cities. Awesome. And uh, Minnesota, you came over straight from uh, Ireland and Australia to Min- uh, Minneapolis. Um, have Have you wanted to live anywhere else? Have you thought about living anywhere else? Uh, well, for me, yes, because I've went, been back to Australia three times. Right. Uh, but that's each time was for either personal or professional reasons for either myself or my wife. It was either job offers or uh, things that happened that required we be at home. And the same, home for, for me, and the same thing about why we moved back. It was either for professional or personal reasons, not on a whim, like we always had a reason to do it. And this is the first time for me that I've pretty much made my peace that I live here absolutely permanently now. So, uh, like I said, I've been back this time six years, and there is it. It's expensive to move back and forth from oh, Australia. Yeah, I would Chris. imagine, yeah, it's expensive enough just to fly there. Yeah, th- yeah, exactly. There's only so many times you want to do that. What about other cities in the states? Well, I'm I live here, and I have three kids here, so I'm I'm pretty pretty rooted, well established. I'm, I'm rooted here until the youngest finishes high school, at least, and that's six or seven years away. I can't see me. I kind of like living here for lots of reasons. I've good friends here. I've a good business, well connected, and I've I've made a good home here. I do enjoy going back to Ireland on a regular basis. This the Twin Cities is pretty central, so I travel quite a bit for work to mm-hmm. different cities around the U.S. and Canada, and you know nowhere's more than three, essentially three hours away. So it feels pretty central. If I could, I'd love to live in, in Southern California from like uh, December 26th till St. Patrick's Day. But right now that's not financially feasible. Yeah, I mean, that would be a nice spot to be that time of year. Yes. My first sojourn here was from 1994 to 1999. And what I was doing for a living then was basically getting on an airplane at the start of the week and coming back at the end of the week having done a show or a live event somewhere. So I was it was like getting on a bus flying to somewhere. So I got to see huge amounts of the United States through work. And I'm still pretty content that Minneapolis is home. I think that it's a well the Twin Cities rather than just Minneapolis. It's a place that notwithstanding the the troubles of recent recent times which are genuine and you know worrisome but it's a place where you can have a reasonable quality of life and you don't need a vast sum of money in your pocket. Uh, Sydney, where I most recently lived before I came back here, is brutally expensive. Mm-hmm. Minneapolis comparatively isn't. No. Have you seen, I'm sure you have seen since you've been there, how, how has the city changed since you've first moved to Minneapolis? 
Well, for me, I mean, there's obviously infrastructural changes and it feels like um, lots of building going on on the Minneapolis side and not so much on the St. Paul side. Uh, you know, obviously in recent times there's been a lot of change and upheaval in the Twin Cities. But overall, I think the general feel of the Twin Cities has remained the same. It's got a quite quite a good live music scene. It's it's quite cultural. It's not that diverse uh, with its strong Scandinavian and German roots that are still quite prevalent. But, I mean, apart from that, I haven't seen that many huge changes. I think, you know, obviously the physical stuff, there is construction everywhere and it looks like in certain parts of downtown they're playing Lego with apartment blocks going up. But I don't think that's just restricted to the Twin Cities. No, and that's... as John said, there appears to be a tendency in St Paul to try and preserve stuff rather than knock it down and build it up, whereas here in, in Minneapolis it seems to be more like let's put up some condos. But, you know, that may be me having a very superficial look at it. That, that's how it is in Nashville too. That's where I'm based out of, and they're they're building like crazy. There's probably three or four cranes in the skyline at all times for the last five to eight years. Yeah, and also keep in mind, Chris, here in the Twin Cities, it's seasonal. the The standard joke is the two seasons are winter and construction. Road, yeah, road construction. I've heard that. Probably just const- maybe just construction, I guess there. But uh, I've heard the winter and road construction out in yep. uh, Montana, maybe. Yeah. I believe that you guys have a favorite pub that's ran by a pastor that's nearby. What's what's the story behind that? And how often are you going there? Well, what time is it? <laughs> Just let me clarify. We have two favorite. We have two okay. favorite pubs. We have our initial favorite pub, which was Brit's Pub, which is the expat pub. They've even got. I just came from doing lawn bowling on the roof. Quite an iconic place, right in the middle of downtown. And we've been going there for years. Quino himself, and in fact, me and indoor level have represented Brit's Pub football team or soccer team many times. So that would we we definitely have to establish that the the second pub, the Prodigal, as it's known, has only been open three years and probably in the last year and a half we've been frequenting it uh, because it's small and it's what we imagine to be a true pub from back home it's small it's intimate uh, the owner knows everybody you know everybody coming in there's a level of respect within the building itself and as we see at home the crack is mighty and he is also a baptist minister who runs a church two blocks away so he's got you covered for both types of spirits yeah. and of course when, when you go to the pub you can make a fool of yourself but salvation is close at hand is there a difference between a pub and a bar well it's, you know, it's semantics to some extent but um, pubs can be large bars in theory uh, uh, certainly in my experience no one talks about you know, a hole-in-the-wall pub, but they'll talk about hole-in-the-wall bars. Okay. I think that there are certain... Brits is a very large pub, and it does it wonderfully well. I mean, it's an enormous pub, whereas the Prodigal Public House, to give it its official name, is a lot smaller, and that is its own experience, and they're both certainly done very, very well. And Jeff, the pastor who runs the Prodigal, is a very interesting character. In fact, we've had him on our show. I know. that's. I was listening to that episode. It's interesting that you would you would go that way with the size comparisons. In my, in my head, a pub would be much smaller, and a bar is is enormous. But I don't um, I don't live in like London or, or any of the you know Dublin yeah. or anywhere that has uh, uh, real uh, pubs. Well, I, I've probably sort of that's based on the Australian sort of experience where pubs are 
by and large, large places and bars tend to be smaller. It's probably different in Ireland. In Ireland, we just have pubs. There's yeah. no bars. Okay. Yeah. Unless, you know, metal bars for, for beating people <laughs> with. But that's that's a different podcast. Yeah. And on, on your podcast, you guys, we, we mentioned, talk a lot about sporting events, recent sporting events and scores and things. How are you keeping up with the sports overseas? Well, it's a lot easier now than it used to be. We wouldn't have been able to do this podcast even 10 years ago, I would imagine, would we? Well, I think it's why God invented the internet, that, you know, we have access to all the sporting scores for whatever it is we choose to talk about. And to be able to watch the games. Yeah. Are you actually watching a lot of them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As many as we can, given we both have work schedules and family life, but... We watch as much as we can. And initially, the Crafty Rogues podcast was set up basically as a soccer podcast. John was interested in doing a podcast about soccer and sort of being a go-to person when it came to soccer punditry and opinion in this in this market. Given that Minnesota United was just joining the MLS, that was the background behind that. Okay. And he knew of my background in radio and actually making shows. And so uh, we got together and figured out a format. And it was our initial stuff was very much soccer-centric. And over the course of almost six years and 300 and whatever it is episodes, we have broadened the palette far more broadly than we would have imagined. It's a vastly different show, episode 304 from episode number one. I tried looking for episode number one, but my podcast app only goes back to episode 200. Is that because at some point you were on Score North, is that right? And then... You, you switched off of that? What was that about? What was that transition? Well, we did, I think it was eight episodes. When we first started, I think the first eight episodes were on a local... Yes, a local platform, a local podcast service. And then okay. we, I wouldn't say we got poached, but we got offered the opportunity to go with the local ESPN radio affiliate, which was a 1500 AM signal. And... We did a couple of years with them. And they actually produced the show and, and, and provided all the, the technology and, and hardware for that. We used to record the show at Brit's Pub with uh, mobile equipment and an, an in-live person producer that the radio station 1500 ESPM provided to us. Now, there oh, was wow. a change of regime at the radio station. It was rebranded as Score North, but it's still 1500 on the AM dial in the Twin Cities market, but their, uh, our agreement with them ended uh, after a certain point in time. Well, COVID had a huge role in that. Yeah. And, and because of the connection, because that radio station was the official radio station of Minnesota United, it meant that we could leverage that uh, relationship to get access to Minnesota United coach and executives and players if we wanted them on our show as well. And we were pretty, I mean, we were really lucky. I'm yeah. not kidding. It was after about eight episodes and suddenly we were on ESPN. Yeah. yeah. And so we were kind of giddy about that. The fact that we had just started something eight episodes in and they, they heard enough to be convinced that we should be on air. In fact, at one point they were putting us our show on the radio regularly on a weekly basis. So I think at its peak, 
in terms of exposure, in terms of infrastructure, in terms of backing, we had the radio station producing the show, putting it on air, and they were and and you know there were sponsors involved, and it almost felt like we were our own weekly show uh, as part of the network rather than just you know this little mom and pop podcast effort. And to be honest, it was quite a good fit. We deliberately structured the show to be quite segmented. And it was uh, it was a choice. We gave the segments, uh, in some cases, names, so that they were, you know, what we thought naively were all sponsorship opportunities. But what it did for ESPN when they chose to put it on air, there were inbuilt um, commercial spots breaks for, for, for commercial breaks. Yeah, and that that was deliberate, but it, it sort of probably heightened the appeal to ESPN. And that's where I think having someone like Quinno who had worked in the business previously was really beneficial to be able to structure it because essentially Quinno's role is to structure the show and mine is just to show up and start talking. And did they broadcast that live or was it recorded and then played back later? Yeah, recorded and played back later. Well, I mean, we used to do... And you'd record it live in the pub, but... Yeah, and then they would... Take it, and then there were times we actually went into the studio and did it there as well. And they would. There was a period of time where we were regular guests live in studio on one of the shows, uh, and then at a certain, I forget which day of the week it was, they would replay our podcast with all the naughty bits taken out. But <laughs> we, when we during that process, we tended not to do naughty bits. Yeah, but it was you know, like I said, we were giddy. To, uh, to have the relationship with ESPN. It was wonderful for us. Yeah, I'm, I imagine if you're starting a sports-related podcast and then, you know, before your 10th episode, ESPN comes knocking on the door, pretty much anybody would be very excited about that. No, it was it was the local ESPN affiliate, but still it was still. under the ESPN imprimatur and it looked pretty damn good for us. Yeah. What, what time of day did they play your episodes back at? 7 o'clock at night, 7 to 8. That's not a bad time. I mean, it's not like you're you're on at three in the morning. No, I think the structure they had, uh, I think they were live from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And there may have been replays of various shows or highlights for six till seven or various other specialty shows. And then we got an hour once a week at 7 p.m. And then they would take ESPN national programming through the night. Hey, it's Chris. Can I jump in here for a minute and ask if you have thought about making your own podcast? If you have, you may have realized there's a lot more that goes into it than you might have thought. Don't worry. I have a gift for you. I want you to have my podcast quick start checklist. From what microphone and recording software you should use to how you host and distribute your show, I'm here to help with all of that and more. My podcast quick start checklist will walk you through everything you need to know to start your podcast. I'll show you what's actually important. To get my podcast quick start checklist, go to whomakesapodcast.com slash start and tell me where to send it. Now let's get back to the episode. So you started the Crafty Rogues as a podcast. What was it about podcasting that kind of brought you in and got you excited about the the format? Well, I was always aware of podcasting. Broadcasting, podcasting in general in Ireland is, is you know, anything with the spoken word is always kind of a higher profile. I've always been interested in radio. In fact, when I was managing Irish pubs, etc., um, any 
sort of connections we could have with local radio stations, especially around things like St. Patrick's Day or the Irish festivals going on, I would put myself out there front and centre to be on the microphone as much as possible and built up lots of good relationships locally in that process. So I always had this kind of sort of little side dream of having, you know, uh, being on the radio, so to speak. And I spoke to a couple of people locally in the radio business who really took a lot of the romance and stripped back. And when they pulled back the curtain on how brutal local radio could be, especially from a corporate standpoint, it really took that sort of um, romanticism and that romantic idea away. But they did suggest, you know, with the growing uh, availability of equipment around podcasting, and that way you can really decide your own voice and, and produce your own show. And so the the mantra that I followed was don't wait to be picked, pick yourself and uh, see where it goes. And if you go in with the attitude that I want to do this because it's fun and I enjoy doing it, then that's more sustainable than trying to think of how you could monetize it. And you started this six years ago. Is that right? That's right. Was that around the time that you had the idea for the podcast or did you kind of sit on the idea for a little while? No, I, 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 my personality is such that if I have an idea, I need to have a crack at it right away. I can't be procrastinating. I need to know pretty quickly if it's going to work or not and, you know, yes or no and move on. So when I had the idea and I talked to a lot of the local radio people that I already knew who were really helpful around uh, who to speak to around equipment and wh what the process was because podcasting wasn't as high a profile as it is now. And of course, talking with Quino around the structure of a show really started to, you know, gel the ideas together and, and put sort of a structure on it because ideas are great. But if you don't have a structure around it, there's nowhere to go. So using the local contacts from the radio and Quino's sort of background in it, it came together pretty quickly. What, what was interesting to me, Chris, is that the first show we ever recorded, I put together a rundown, like a professional rundown, like I would do for a radio show yep. back home or for, or for a TV show, and gave John a copy of it. And he knew everything that I was going to ask him. He knew what the questions were. And we recorded the show and it was fine. And that's the last time I've ever shown him a rundown. <laughs> Since then, I've realised that the thing that separates John apart from most people where, who, who say they'd be comfortable behind a microphone is that he works better completely spontaneously. Yeah. So for th show one, he knew what I was going to ask him. He hasn't known since then. Obviously, there's a vague understanding of some of the topics we're going to discuss and certainly as we have broadened the scope of what we talk about, we will chat to each other about, you know, what do you think we want to talk about this week? But by and large, John hasn't seen 303 of the 304 rundowns we've done. Yeah, John, I've noticed you're very quick-witted. You're very uh, very full of puns on your, on your podcast. Yes, well, <laughs> that's just in general in life because one of the great benefits of not being from Minnesota, and again, you know, comparing to the likes of Chicago and, and the East Coast, where there is a lot of Irish, being Irish in the Twin Cities is still a little bit of a novelty, and there is a line there that can be crossed or you can hover close to with an accent that you probably couldn't somewhere else, so I'm going to take full advantage of that. Quino, when John approached you about joining the podcast or making a podcast did you were you excited right from the jump or were you kind of you know i'm working in this industry already was there any trepidation about adding one more audio project 
No, not at all, because I'd just come off. I'd just I'd only been back in the country a few weeks at that point. This is 2016, uh, and I had just done five years of live television, and I was a frazzled wreck. Live television is hugely enjoyable, but it's it's stressful. And I'd just done five years of uh, sports television live, studio-based stuff, and was ready for something less stressful that still utilised my uh, media experience and my passion for sport. And when uh, we sat down and had a chat about it, I figured out pretty good, pretty early on that there were clearly defined roles that we were both eminently suited for. And no one listens to the podcast to hear me ask questions. My job is to ask the right questions that get John to elicit entertaining answers. And that was the early doors dynamic. It has broadened since then, but that was the basic role for me from the get-go, and I was excited to do it. Is that what you would you would say the role primarily is that you fulfill? You kind of drive the podcast forward, and then John adds the entertainment value? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, every now and then I'll realise that I'm probably babbling on too much and should uh, draw back, but it... Ostensibly, start, ostensibly started out as John's podcast uh, with me sort of facilitating and creating a structure that allowed him to exhibit his skills. But I think it's broadened since then. Oh, yeah. It, it's, 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 it's become a, just a, a, almost a back and forth banter back and forth. And we have got to the point where we have done a few live things in front of uh, an audience and they've been great fun. So, you, John, you play soccer. I know that. I do. I do. So, so does Quino. All right, both of you do then. You watch yeah. a lot of international soccer and, and local, or not local, but yeah, local. I mean, Minnesota. Yes. Minnesota's yep. local. And my kids all play, so I watch them too. Kids play. Sometimes have, painfully. You have a job. Do you have time to listen to many podcasts? Do you listen to many podcasts, both of you? Uh, I, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. If I'm, um, which I travel... You know, this time of year, I'll be out of town at least once a week. Last week, I was in Chicago. Tomorrow, I'm going to Kansas City. I have a six-hour drive tomorrow. I'll catch up with about five or six podcasts. I don't listen to radio. If I have the radio on in the background at home, it's probably going to be Irish radio, thanks to the, to the God-given gifts of the internet. Yep. But most of the time, if I'm out in a bike ride, I'll listen to a podcast or out for a walk. So I probably listen to about five or six podcasts every week that sort of like I, I, I make a, a, a concerted effort to listen to. And I know a bit like, you know, my playlists on Spotify, I could I probably need to expand my comfort zone. But those podcasts have become sort of like a staple for me, both in terms of entertainment and as an inspiration. Well, I have to ask what your go-to podcasts are. Well, <laughs> I'll start. I'll start from the top. The number one podcast in Ireland. Uh, the three of them are, are based in Ireland. There's one called the Blind Boy Podcast, which is a, a dude from Limerick who wears a plastic bag in his head and he talks a lot about mental health and conspiracy theories and stories and and engagements that he's had in his uh, young and varied life. That's very entertaining. So check that one out, the Blind Boy podcast. Okay. Uh, then there is the THL podcast, which is well-known Irish comedian Tommy Tiernan, who, uh, with his boyhood friend Hector, who is also a TV personality in Ireland, and they're joined by this lady, Loretta, and they just sit in a hen house on the west coast of Ireland and talk about 
shite all night <laughs> and they talk about you know whatever's going on hey what's the point of this and and it's just pure conversation almost like you're eavesdropping in on it and the language and the the turn of phrase that they use just you know for me it's like it's like being at home for an hour when i listen to that and then there is uh, an economist uh called david mcwilliams who is a columnist uh, in a couple of newspapers and a well-respected journalist. And he has a weekly podcast and he talks a lot about, um, you know, whatever's topical, but he'll relate it back to economics. And I've always had a, an interest in that. And then on the American side, uh, you know, the staples for me are Freakonomics, which again, kind of tied to economics. There might be a theme there. And they have two other shows that are offshoots from that, uh, that I w- can listen to. I'll listen to the first 10 minutes. And if it seems interesting, I'll keep going. All right. What about you, Quino? Do you listen to many podcasts? No, I don't. Simply, well, not simply because one of the reasons is uh, I put a fair bit of time into constructing each week of, of what we do, and we, John and I, do another podcast as well with a French chef, uh, a show called Le Grand Fromage. And apart from putting those two together, also the day after we record them, I listen to them back so mm-hmm. that I can then write uh, Facebook posts about them. So our own podcasts sort of take up uh, a fair bit of my time. But it's, you know, it's not like it's a hardship. Most of my professional life has in broadcasting, either radio or TV, has been spent in either sport, comedy or music. And uh, I get to either talk about or listen back to shows that are about exactly that. <laughs> so I've got no complaints. The French Chef Show sounds quite interesting is he cooking on that show <laughs> no not not live on the show but uh, he's a friend of okay. ours and he's quite famous around these parts and he is i'll use the phrase i always use he is cartoon french uh, he is seriously <laughs> french and he listened to our show and you know not as a listener because he, he's a mate and he sat in a couple of times when we would record a podcast, and he saw how much fun we were having that, you know, he thought, well, gee, that looks like uh, a good bit of gear. I'll have a crack at that and asked if, you know, would we be interested? So we came up with a format and we were sort of a bit hard on him because he is not – John is a complete natural behind a microphone. Vincent is not. It's not his home turf. So we recorded, I think, 15 shows. Yes, 15 shows. 15 shows before we decided – it was worth going public with it. And over the course of those 15 shows, Vincent just grew an arm and a leg with regard to his comfort behind a microphone. And sure. now he's, you know, he's we, he's it, got it down pat. 80 episodes in. Yeah. We've been doing that for a year and a half. He He's an exceptionally engaging talent. Well, I haven't listened to that one, but I'll have to check that out as well. That does not have any scores involved, just recipes. Okay. <laughs> The podcast that we're talking about today with you guys is called The Crafty Rogues. Where does that name come from? Is there any, I mean, obviously, you know, it's on its face value. It's pretty straightforward. Is there any, any other meaning to that? Or is it just a, just a, a well descriptive name? There is a little bit of a story behind it. Uh, when I worked for the Irish pub group that I mentioned earlier, we were uh, a, a new pub had been 
purchased and we were assigned the management uh, was assigned the duty of coming up with a name for the pub I went off and listened and studied uh, lots of old Irish folk songs and there was an Irish folk song that mentioned the crafty rogue and I thought that would be a great name for a pub and it was suggested and it was rejected politically uh, it should have been picked but it wasn't so I was a little bitter so I saved the name and 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 copyrighted it and I said, I'm going to use that again someday. So when we were discussing what the name of the podcast would be, I go, I know what we're going to call it. We're going to call it The Crafty Rogues. So that's kind of the history of it. And you have a name, or you have the name, and it's and it's copyrighted. Well, the, the, the thing behind it is, you know, a crafty rogue, is a rogue is obviously somebody, you know, that, that roguish is, is a nice lovable term. And crafty is a nice lovable term. So between the two of them, we hopefully have something roguish and lovable. You've released a, a a lot of episodes for your podcast. 304, I think you said earlier. Yes. How are you staying motivated to keep making new episodes? Is it just because it's fun and you've got, you know, why not do it? Well, there's multiple reasons, uh, but the main one is you just hit on it there that it's fun. And to be honest, given, you know, the the stresses of daily life, certainly in the Twin Cities, it's uh, there's been some difficult times over the last couple of years for fairly obvious reasons socially. It's therapy. It is. We, as much fun as doing the show is, when we turn the microphone off, by and large, we record two shows on a night, our own, this this show, The Crafty Rogues, and then we do the podcast with our friend Vincent. The, the show is called Le Grand Fromage. So we finish, Vincent turns up about 10 minutes later, then we record his show, and then the three of us just sit around and have a drink and just talk about what's happened in the past week. And it is of enormous benefit for and, mental and health. And it's something that we can rely on on a weekly basis to to process our week, bookmark our week and, and you know, get a bit of processing done. And so, yes. Either one of us, that's myself, John or Vincent, can be having the shittiest week that ever was. And some of us have had shitty weeks. And yet, when we get together to record, and it's not always the two shows on the same night, but it has been basically for the last year and a half, when we get together to record and then have a chat afterward, everything seems to make more sense by the time we go home. Genuinely listening to the podcast that you guys put out makes me feel like I want to start another podcast with a friend locally where we can just hang out once a week or whatever it is and, and just talk and record because it sounds like it's a ton of fun. Well, when we were first talking about doing it, I said to John that it was hugely important that what we do, that there was no element of performance to it. John is a man of a million opinions and he expresses them all very articulately. And I insisted that uh, – insisted, that makes me sound like a bit of a dick. I, <laughs> I, I suggested – Strongly suggested. Strongly suggested that he be genuine. Like don't say anything, just have a hot take like some of the, the shows where people just yell at each other to have a, an argument. Just be natural and be honest about it. And that has been the case. I've not had any feedback saying, oh, well, you said this three weeks ago and then two weeks ago you said something else. It is never difficult to come up with stuff to talk about. And and, as, and for as long as it's fun, we'll keep doing it. The day it stops being fun, we know we're finished. That was going to be my next question. How long do you think you're going to keep it going? I mean, it could go indefinitely, I guess. As long as it's fun. And yeah. the, the, it, there's a double-edged sword here. We don't make a cent 
right? But it also means no one tells us what to do. We are completely in, in control of what we create. And the way we're doing it at the moment, we're never going to buy a house through it. But gee whiz, it's a, it's a great night to look forward to each week. You do say on your podcast that this is brought to you in sponsorship with or in partnership with uh, the Irish Association of Minneapolis or something like that. I, I have the name Irish wrong. Fair. Irish Fair. What what is that about? So the thing behind that is to to widen the exposure of the show because we don't have a marketing department. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not uh, any big shakes at marketing. It's not something Quino does, but it is something that we realize and we recognize that needs, you know, work on. Uh, it's one thing having a great product, but if no one hears about it or not enough people hear about it, it feels like that that's something that needs to be addressed. So my thought process was Irish Fair, you know, connects to 100,000 people they have on their email list. They send out monthly newsletters. They have a heavy presence on social media. That seems like a good vehicle that they can be telling the world about the crafty rogues because a lot of what we discuss is expat related and so if that helps us pick up a few extra listeners and 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 gets us access to guests um because that's you know part of the format especially uh during the year when there isn't a soccer season on having guests on because we thoroughly enjoy having guests on too and if we're able to leverage the irish fair for that then then it's a win-win for everybody so that's kind of a symbiotic relationship then. They they send out emails mentioning your podcast and then you mention yes. them in your podcast. Yes. Yeah, for, uh, for the first couple of years we did the show, when we were recording it from Brit's Pub, Brit's were magnificent to us and they did actually sponsor us. They gave us a small monthly fee uh, for a couple of years, but then COVID hit and the club, the, the club, the pub had to close for a period of time, and there was new ownership, and so sort of that agreement came to an end. But they were absolutely wonderful to us for a couple of years. At the moment, we are sponsor free, and it's not like we're, um, you know, we're averse to it. We gladly love think, to have people. I'd, on board. I'd love to have a marketing intern for about six months. I think yeah. it would make a huge difference because we re- we we know that the show we make is genuine, and it's entertaining that we have a very strong loyal following that that loves to engage with us for you know we're well, one thing we're not good at is looking at numbers and studying numbers and statistics if you were to ask me it might be one of your questions how many listeners do you have i mean <laughs> back in the day the radio station took care of all them stats that's not even anything that we have looked at because we put the show out the last as we've even said it to each other whether we have one listener or a million listeners, we're still going to do the same show. However, the caveat being, I would dearly love, there's someone listening to this who really wants to try some marketing and wants us to be the guinea pig, come on, give us a call. We have the great good fortune to be able to be completely selfish about what we create. We answer to no one. Yeah. But. It's a nice place to be. We're not cheap, but we can be bored. <laughs> <laughs> so my next question, it, you know, if it is, how big is your podcast, weekly listens and downloads and things? It, it just, whatever. There's I think, no answer. I think, yeah, there's, there's tens of thousands of downloads of the shows. I know that for a fact from the radio station days. So it could be anywhere from 300 to 1,000 to 2,000 somewhere. I remember someone from the radio station telling us we had a huge listenership in Abu Dhabi. Okay. So we'll make sense of that what we will. 
the, the broad strokes answer is, with regard to numbers, don't know and to some extent don't care. Don't care, yeah. But, you know, like I said, we're not averse to being successful, but we basically do it for ourselves. Well, I'm sure if somebody came along with a nice sponsorship offer, you'd be able to figure it oh, out. No, no, that, that's what we're saying. We're, yeah. we, we're not we're, – we're open to it, but yeah. we just make – we talk about it from time to time and then do absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. But that, you know, because that's not what we do. If we were a company, we would have been fired. <laughs> well, no, you make a good product. I mean, it sells itself. Well, all evidence to the contrary, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is probably a wonderful opportunity there somewhere for this show and, and whatever format it is. We'll just keep, you know, maybe after 10 years, we'll be an overnight success. I think that's how they all are, though. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I think the, the, the world of podcasting... Yeah, four more years to go. The, the world of podcasting is, is still in its infancy. Some of the yeah. stats that I, 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 I... When I do read about podcasting in general, the average podcast lasts eight episodes because by the eighth episode, your family and friends aren't listening anymore, and you look at the numbers and you're like, no one's listening. Why are we doing this? Yeah. And, you know, all, you know, oh, I have a great idea for a podcast and you're two episodes in, you're like, well, what else we got? Nothing. So I think part of our quote unquote success has been, we came at it with the right, with the right reasons to do it. And that's why it's been sustainable. I think we're two middle-aged men still waiting to be discovered. <laughs> but, uh, I believe making, in you. But I'm making, thank you, appreciate it. <laughs> we're making no effort to put ourselves forward to be discovered. Well, that's what I mean. The, you know, the, the product sells itself. You just got to get it out there in front of people. Yeah, but neither of us can get off our ass to do it. <laughs> so if there is a middle-aged man out there who loves marketing or yeah, right. a young person who loves marketing and, and loves the show and wants to has ideas about how to put it out there we'll we'll listen and you know we'll be happy to share that piece of the pie we have we have a bunch of friends who are uh, regular listeners who have been incredibly supportive since day one of the show and i feel to some extent we've been horribly letting them down <laughs> for the last few years by a complete lack of ambition so coming soon is the the crafty rogues tiktok channel is that right yeah, there you go <laughs> it's, it's going to be more like a grandfather clock channel <laughs> The Crafty Rogues TikTok channel is that is that the secret, Chris? I have That's no idea. To... I don't I don't have a TikTok either, so can't help you there. All right. I think something we've been joking about for years is I desperately, when I was uh, doing a TV show back home, that was sort of a sports chat show that went out live. I wanted to do this thing called a Black Label show, where we kicked everybody around after the show finished, plied them with hard liquor and then recorded another show with no there censorship. Yeah. Uh, and it would never go anywhere. And, of course, you couldn't do it because it would leak eventually and careers would be ruined. But I, I, we, we've often thought about doing it for the Crafty Rogues, just a complete indulgence. Crafty Rogues after dark. Yeah, black label, just see what happens because it could go anywhere. There are enough reality TV people who would do that without a care in the world. Yeah. All right, what is, I'm curious what, what typical production looks like for one of your episodes. So I know John hasn't seen a rundown in 303 episodes. Quino, are you still putting one of those together for the for the podcast? Yeah, because I'm old and my background, I, I like having a rundown. It's just a, a roadmap. I mean, if, if something is, if we start rabbiting on about something that, that has legs, we just keep 
going with it. Yep. And because we don't work to a clock, uh, even though, you know, the, the rundown is basically segmented with some degree of time in mind, we can go wherever we want with it. So, yeah, I still do put a rundown together because I like looking at things on paper because I'm old. But I turn up with that and kill a thousand trees by printing off all the stuff I want to talk about. Meanwhile, John takes care. John has stepped into the breach when we lost our producer and equipment with the radio station. We were sort of squatting in uh, the the studio of a, a fairly high-profile radio personality in this market. and uh, We used their equipment, which John learned to work. And then uh, over the course of time, we have bought uh, equipment that allows us to record and to some extent, shoot some stuff as well in John's basement. And he has taken on the role of being a technical director because I'm useless and he's done a fantastic job with We've it. We've basically converted half of my basement into a studio with padded floors and a nice background. And, um, you know, we've learned to, how to operate a mixing desk and microphones and sound levels. Thankfully, there's no lighting involved because lighting is its own dark magic. So yep. I'm grateful for that. We shoot a weekly Facebook promo video. So I've learned how to, you know, a couple of cameras with a switcher and, and do that as well. And, you know, I've always had that sort of amateur enthusiasm. But I was very lucky that when we were squatting at the local high profile radio personality studio, that I got some good training on, on terms of, of, you know, plugging everything into the right place. And of course, because we both uh, work or have worked at various times in the industry with involved with microphones and recording, we know enough people that have been incredibly helpful to us to point us in the right direction Absolutely. with regard to equipment and, yeah. and how to set it all up. We, we've, we are very fortunate that we know people who know about this kind of stuff. So we have had, whenever we have a question about anything technically, uh, we, listen to me, when John has a question about anything technically, we have resources to call upon who are more than happy to help. And what is that technical setup right now? What are you guys recording on? What are you recording into? Right now, I've discovered the wonderful uh, Zoom PodTrack P4. And so we record into that. So then I link that up to my laptop and record it on Audacity. And so we always have the Audacity tape or the Audacity file. And then we have the backup on the um, on the Zoom as well. So we always have two copies every week. Uh, we mix those up and uh, put a top and a tail on it and off it goes. We then, you know, uh, I use one of the online podcast server you know, I, I threw a, a, a dart at a screen and it went on Spreaker and uh, paid 20 bucks a month and uploaded to there and they distributed to all the main channels. And microphones? Uh, so that's where I got a lot of good technical advice mentoring. A shout out to our good friend Scott Leach, who uh, gave me all the, the right links to finding the right microphones for this. So um, don't ask me what they are. They're sure <laughs> microphones. They're sure okay. microphones. They're compressed compressor microphones. So they're built for oral skills, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, I know enough, I know enough to be dangerous. I'll tell you what they are. I just have to move. SV200s. Uh-huh. And then, you know, we have a, I converted half a ping pong table, or rather my friend who's more handy than me, and we took the edges off and put some nice foam on it and a nice fake leather top. And so we have a studio table. Ugh, pour one out for the ping pong table. There we go. And of course, when we do 
the other podcast, Le Grand Fromage. There are three of us, so that gets, you know, its own little degree of difficulty raised a little bit. But John's created an absolute playground for us down here. It's in his basement. It's 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 standalone. It's it's here all the time. Yeah. I use it for my own work for Zoom calls. I do some virtual trivia and some virtual events online, especially during COVID. So it's really it's really been a, a, a blessing. Do you do much editing on your episodes or any editing? No editing. Well, I reckon we've edited things probably three times in 304 yeah, episodes. Yeah. Wow. It has to be... That'll speed up the I, process. I, I, well, I'm a firm believer in the way we approach stuff. There are no mistakes. They're just opportunities. <laughs> but obviously, if something slips out that is uh, requires removal, we'll we ha- do it. we've done it. Yeah. Yeah. Three times. I think that style of conversational podcast works well for what you guys are doing. I mean, obviously, it's it's uh, it's working so far. It sounds really good. You know, back to the the marketing piece, we just don't have the time because yeah. we're we're busy. And we, you know, we have a bit of fun with it. We take the the Mickey out of ourselves. We, you know, we do fake commercials and things <laughs> like that, which are. We used to do a lot. I mean, we would drop you know pretend ad breaks in three four times in a show, but. We've stopped doing that as we've sort of matured is the wrong word, but we've changed the focus of the show a little bit and the tone of the show. And so maybe one of those a week gets in, but we were doing a technical term here, a shit ton of fake commercials that were great fun to do. But, you know, we've, we've, we've pulled back on that a little bit. How has your production changed since the times that you were on the radio? What was the radio version of the show like? Uh, the same, uh, pretty much. Okay. Like I said, you just we, had a, an external producer doing most of it. Yeah, uh, the the but it was the same show. But yeah. in the, in those days, it was probably more soccer based than it is now. It was primarily a soccer podcast with some you know uh, thoughts on wider societal issues thrown in. Now the balance is probably you know more fifty fifty, and if not tilted the other way, but. I don't think we'll ever abandon um, at, at the sport element of it. Because we both love it. But with regard to when we had a producer, on-site producer, it was it didn't change the show. We, we even created a segment for him who was a young up-and-coming bloke who wanted to sort of get into the industry and was giddy to talk about soccer. So uh, we gave him his own his big football update, which we call his big FU. <laughs> so, so he got his own segment. And now he's doing colour color commentary on the radio. Is he really? He produces the radio station's coverage, the radio coverage of the local MLS team, and he's crowbarred himself into a live mic. So he's now offering analysis. <laughs> and I said to John on, just on Sunday, I said, I heard him giving soccer analysis. What's happened to our baby? <laughs> he's all grown up. And he thanks you for his start every time, right? I got yeah, my start yeah. on the Crafty Rogues podcast. Yeah, that, that'll be the story when he, when he writes his book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I once was a Crafty Rogue. <laughs> we actually uh, brought him back. Our 200th episode, we were not recording at the pub by then, but uh, we recorded our 200th episode. We went back to the pub to record it and got our producer, Jonathan, back with us for one last hurrah. You record one episode a week, is that right? Yeah, unless work schedules dictate or travel schedules or family commitments or anything else dictates that one of us is unavailable. 
and then we sometimes will attempt to record a couple of evergreen episodes in advance, which is difficult given that we deal with scores, sports. scores. But we've, you know, we've done the classic old, you know, the old after-school special from the uh, old sort of kids shows, the half-hour show. That's a you must watch this one because it's about a special issue. We will a special subject. We'll occasionally do evergreen shows that are about a topic and ramble on for an hour about that. But occasionally we record more than one at a time. And sometimes we've tried having other people on the show and it's had choppy success. Oh, that that's a sort of a, a, a co-host, if you will. But we've been very fortunate that we both have connections whereby, whereby we have managed to corral some fairly high-profile high people to be guests. And we love interviewing people. Yep. I mean, it's great fun for us. And we've been very fortunate that we've had some fairly, certainly in the sporting world, some famous people for a for an expat community, let's put it that way. Yeah, I was listening to an episode where you were interviewing, I cannot, I don't know his name. I'm not familiar with the sport. He's a big cricket player from Australia, I think. Yeah, a guy called Stuart Clark. Yeah, that's his name. You know him. I do. See, I was, <laughs> these guys all worked, um, we booked them on the show I was doing. Like they were the, he was our cricket guy and we've had our rugby guy and our soccer guy and our uh, Australian rules guy who are all very well known back home and they were glad enough, kind enough to give us an hour to chat and it was great fun and John has some big connections back home with people in the fraternity, sporting fraternity in Ireland and we've leveraged those as well. And now we're going to leverage the Irish Fair so uh, there you keep go. listening, keep yeah. listening. Is there a, a best sport in the world? Do you have a favourite? Depends what day of the week you ask. I think, given our backgrounds, I would probably come up with soccer. Given yeah, that yeah it, probably the same. It's it sort of a very significant part of my life for a long time. But, you know, I'll like anything with a ball, to be honest. Golf? Yeah. Yeah. To watch more than play. I mean, I'm not good <laughs> at it. But I'll, I'll honestly, there's yeah. very little, there's very few sports that include a ball that I won't watch. I love golf, personally. But, uh, yeah. Boring sports with balls. Could be a podcast. <laughs> the NBA is not my favorite. How about that? Why not? I, I'm a college basketball fan. It just feels like a different game. I don't know. Where'd you go to school? Purdue. Okay. Is that a big deal? Purdue? Yeah. He's a boilermaker. Is he? They have a, a fairly decent basketball team. Yeah. They never seem to go far in the tournament, but but they're usually pretty good. Hmm. John is John is beastly careless about college basketball. Let yeah. me infor, let me inform you with that. But you uh, but you follow the Minnesota soccer team. Yeah. How are you feeling about them um, being two spots behind Nashville SC? Yeah. Well, beginner's luck for Nashville. The um, <laughs> the we have had, uh, I keep saying this, we've had the good fortune to have the head coach of Minnesota United on the show three times and we are unabashed supporters of his but the, the sentiment around his presence appears to be becoming, turning, yes. turning a little bit uh, after a couple of poor performances. No fear of relegation in the MLS at least. Yeah, I know. Well, no fear of relegation for anything that has a franchise. Great. Do you have any kind of pre-podcasting routine that you go through, like things to get your yourself warmed up or comfortable or anything like that? We have been known to have a drink. Fair enough. 
But in general, we've done it. We have that. Uh, we know when, after we do our promo video for the week, that kind of warms us up in a way, I guess. Yeah. Uh, John, as he mentioned before, has sort of figured out how we can get the equipment and the wherewithal to record a Facebook Live video before we do the show. And it generally turns out that the gear's all set up. I will walk down into John's basement, sit down next to him, he'll press record, and we will somehow fill four or five minutes talking <laughs> shit. I was going to ask, how long are you How long are you sitting down there talking to each other before somebody hits the record button? Uh, on the Facebook Live video? Not at all. Any like, of it. Th- yeah. th- there are genuinely days where I walk. John's already in the seat. I'll come down the stairs, sit down, and he'll... We'll just check the the framing and then we'll hit record with no idea what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and I, I'm serious. I mean, none. Is that a, is that a one take thing usually? Or yes, you, completely. Because yeah. okay. it's live. Oh, I see. Yeah, that's the one live thing we do on Facebook every week. And how long does that go for? How long are those videos? Four, four to five minutes. Yeah, you should check them out. Some of them are quite funny. <laughs> Some of them are quite bizarre. <laughs> there can be a downside to doing no prep. I'm assuming that you don't batch any episodes other than the ones that you need to record just in case in case somebody's out of town since yep, it's scores based. Yep. And you probably don't have any just banked and ready to go. Not at the moment, no, but we're going to have a chat this week that we may need to do that in the next month or so for various reasons. And you're releasing weekly, so have you ever missed a week? Do you care no, if you miss no. a week? Yes. We haven't missed a week. No, we've been non-stop for 304 weeks. Sounds exhausting. No, no not at all. all. <laughs> and, 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 you know, to be honest, there have been weeks where when we were recording uh, with a producer, John, if John had to go out of town, we would get someone to fill in as a guest host um, because we had a producer. I wouldn't have known how to do it. But we've also figured out how to do it remotely. Uh, we can, you know, f- during COVID, obviously, not everybody was just sitting next to each other in a studio. But I've had occasions where I've gone back to Australia and John's had guests in as well. So we've both done it. We've done it without each other. But mm-hmm. There's um, always been a but, show But we've we never missed a week, yeah. Yeah. It's impressive. Stamina yeah. over performance. What do you see for the future of your podcast? Are you, are you hoping for anything? Do you like your current format? Would you change it at all? I'm hoping that this relationship with the Irish Fair will develop further, get us a little bit more exposure and um, more guests, because I really love the guest format. That's what I'm, that's my dream anyway. Is there an Australian fair? (laughs) No, we don't quite have that kind of uh, pull in this market uh, in the (laughs) Twin Cities. But the Irish Fair here is huge. I mean, John's not kidding. It's a big event. Three days. So that's like an actual, like, get Festival. together in a field and, and oh, there's yes. a fair. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are they playing, like, traditional Irish sports? Yep. They're playing Gaelic football. They're playing rugby. They're playing hurling. There's sheep herding. There's live music on wow. five different stages. What's the difference between Gaelic football and soccer? Um, Gaelic football, you use your hands as much as you use your feet. Yeah. And all the players have the same haircut. <laughs> First time I watched Gaelic football with John, I said, is there only one barber in Ireland? All of these guys have the same haircut. They look hungry and hungover. They need a meal and a better haircut and they'll be fine. So there you have it. And that's 
Gaelic football coverage on the Crafty Rogues in a nutshell. And hurling is the same guys but with a lethal weapon in their hands. Okay. Hungover, mad, hungry Irishman with a stick. What could possibly go wrong? And this is this is kind of interesting, though. They're all amateurs, aren't they? Oh, yes, yeah. that, that is what is, you know, and they're playing in front of, you know, towards the end of the season, 80,000, 90,000 people. And they play for where they're from. Yeah, you can't play for, you know, you're from Dublin, you can't play for Cork. You're from Dublin, you play for Dublin. There's some glorious tradition about Gaelic sports. Do they charge to get into those games? Oh, or yes. The organization yeah. itself has a lot of money and they, okay. you know, they just don't pay the players. Well, they don't pay the players. But, you know, every, you know, I grew up in rural backwater, middle of nowhere. We had our own Gaelic pitch field with facilities that were partly funded by the organization. I mean, that sounds like college sports. Yeah, but without the, the, uh, NIL fees now. Yeah, right. Yeah, well, that's that's a, a new a new uh, development. And without without the organisation getting all the money, that they couldn't do name, image, and likeness stuff in the Gaelic football because they all look the same, <laughs> <laughs> and they're all called Seamus. Um, do you guys have a website for your podcast? Yes, craftyrogues.com. and it's not great. We're we're actually going to leverage the Irish Fair relationship because they have a partnership with a website builder company and they're going to help us put a new one together but you know the link is on there yeah so that's all that's needed really i mean if you look at most podcast websites the reason you would go there is to find an episode i would assume unless there's some wonderful insight about podcast websites that i'm missing out on and and, and to con and to contact you do you have any kind of shows or radio hosts podcast hosts or anything that you have tried to to emulate or take that the spirit of that host into what you do or has it just been entirely you know original this is this is how we do it i spent a lot of my professional life working on the radio so i've picked up a lot of stuff from people i worked with who were you know genuine experts at the craft so i've sort of learnt almost by osmosis and just, so he's taught me then just spending time around people. And, you know, we joke about it, but, you know, part of that means I've been able to explain to John and to Vincent the, uh, from Le Grand Fromage the basics of studio craft. And that helps a lot. I think we do it reasonably well. I think you do too. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, not, so we're not really emulating anyone in particular, but we are definitely following Quino's expertise when it comes to structure and craft. I, had, I was really lucky to work with some people who were genuine broadcasters. They, they weren't dilettantes who had come from somewhere else to have a crack at radio. These mm -hmm. were people who were, who were lifelong radio professionals who knew the caper inside out. And it's, you, know, you can't help but learn from people who are very, very good at it. Sure, there's a, a level of osmosis there. Yeah, it, it is, but it 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 can be done badly, and I know enough now when I hear radio shows done badly. And he's not afraid to share those opinions. What would be something that you would watch out for in that regard? What would be a dead giveaway for something done badly? Oh, I would say talking over each other, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, people who are clearly faking it. They're just saying something to get a response. They don't believe it, but okay. they're just trying to be the loudest voice in the room or have the hottest take or generate the biggest sort of 
response or backlash from what they've said. And I don't think that's sustainable. I think that is a moment in time, but I don't think it is a a career or a a long-standing sort of success plan. I was going to say that the trouble with racing to the bottom is somebody's going to win. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you start a show and you're not trying to be genuine to who you are, it's just not going to be something that you can keep up. No, I agree. It's, It's not sustainable. And I think ultimately people know. Yeah. And those that don't know, that's okay. What is it that you get out of making your podcast? Do you get to get together and have fun and talk and you know shoot the shit and talk sports, and that sounds awesome. Is there anything beyond that that you get out of making the show? Yeah, as, as we mentioned before, I think it is genuinely good for our mental health. Yeah. I think it has been wonderful. It's a in bookmark. Its, its own form of therapy. There is a, a signpost in the week that you can look forward to. If you're having, as we said before, if you're having the crappiest time, yeah, it's never that bad when we sit down here to do this or when we were doing it at the pub or when we were doing it in uh, the Radio Guys studio. I mean, it's always great fun. It has never been less than fantastic fun and I can't recall a show where one of us, if not both of us, have completely broken down laughing at something <laughs> that was unplanned. Just because yeah. the show has no script, anything could happen. And uh, we tend to find ourselves probably funnier than we actually are, but who gives a shit? We're entertaining each other and that's, yeah, en- that's, that's enough. A- yeah. And I'm sure it helps that you guys are obviously great friends and you know that comes through in the podcast very clearly. It's the same with Vincent and Le Grand Fromage. It's the same deal. I mean, it, they're genuine relationships. For, all right. So this question is for each of you. What is one of the most important lessons that you've learned about podcasting since you started making your show? I'm not getting rich. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not yet. You've got four more years till you blow up. Yeah, well played. <laughs> um, that if... That I'm, if you know, if I'm not enjoying it, I'm not going to do it. And just like anything else, you know, when we get to a certain age and you, you know, you've limited amount of time, you start being more mindful about how you spend your time. And I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and there's no reason to stop. This is never a waste of time. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Even if nobody's listening. Yep. Still, yeah. Uh, yeah. Still good to do it. Yep. All right. I am. Uh, Running out of questions here, so I'm going to ask one that's a little bit uh, away from the podcasting space. What is one of the foods that you miss most from home that you can't get here? There is a, a, a palm-sized slice of potato that is dipped in batter and then deep-fried at home, which we call a potato scallop. I don't know why it's called a scallop. I guess the term scalloped potatoes for the certain shape. But I miss potato scallops. They have no redeeming features nutritionally. They look good. They taste good. With salt and vinegar on them, they are magnificent. It's like a giant French fry. It is, but it's a giant flat palm-sized okay. French fry. Oh, interesting. But with, with, it's not just, uh, and it's not just the potato deep-fried. It is dipped in batter and deep-fried. Yeah. And the, the batter is unique? No, not particular. Oh. Um, There's a particular flavor of potato chips that we don't have here in the United States called prong cocktail flavor that I miss, but I always bring back a few bags after every time I go home. Prong cocktail. It's like a shrimp cocktail, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's, and you know, people either love them or hate them. I love them. My kids dread when I open the suitcase and they see a a huge bag of them in there because they know the (laughs) smell is going to be strong. And the other thing I miss is, it's so cliche, 
But and maybe it's because uh, you know I'm away from home. But a pint of Guinness in my local pub. I was gonna say, please say Guinness. Yeah, is not pint of Guinness at home is is going to be the best pint of Guinness that I can have. And one of the reasons we both are advocates for Brits Pub and the Prodigal Public House is they both have wonderful Guinness. Yes, they do. Yeah, there was a an Irish bar pub called Nine Irish Brothers in West Lafayette where Purdue is, and they had, I think Diego may have ran a, a contest or something, and they won, like, best pint of Guinness in the United States while we were there, and it was phenomenal. Who's Diego? No. Oh, Di- Diageo. 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 Oh, yeah. There you go. Good, gotcha. Diego was running the tacos that <laughs> night, no, or he was playing football for Argentina. Uh, all right. Is there anything else that we should talk about? Did we miss anything that you wanted to cover? I can't think of anything you haven't covered. I think you've covered it all, Chris. Okay. Where can people find you? Where do you want to send them? Craftyrogues.com. Or go to our Facebook page. It's always fun. Look at the videos. Subscribe and all the podcast apps. Oh, yeah, of course. All that stuff that we're supposed to mention every week (laughs) that we forget to do. Coming soon, TikTok. (laughs) We were talking to a guy from Nashville, and he said we should have a TikTok. I think, I think, the, I think the closest. <laughs> don't take we'll, my word for it. I don't have one. Like the, the closest we'll get is a Kit Kat. Yeah. Uh, all right, John Quino. Thank you so much for joining me on Who Makes a Podcast. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah, it's been great fun. Thanks, mate. I appreciate you having us on. Thanks, Chris. That was my conversation with Stephen Quinn and John Cosgrove co-hosts of the Crafty Rogues podcast, which can be found on all of the major podcast networks. You can also find Quino and John at craftyrogues.com. My name is Chris Cookley, and you can find me at whomakesapodcast.com. If you enjoyed this episode, it would be an enormous help if you shared it with your friends and subscribed wherever you're listening right now. It really makes a difference. And if you host a podcast and would like to be my next guest on Who Makes a Podcast, let me know. Go to whomakesapodcast.com slash guest and tell me about your show. This is Who Makes a Podcast. I'll be back next time with another conversation with another incredible podcast host. Thanks for listening.